1: Hi, y'all! Welcome to the first official episode of Gilmore to Read. I'm your host, Haley. Hi, Haley. I feel like I—that's like the only appropriate time that that actually works, is it not? So I'm really excited to do this episode today. But if you were like, "What is Gilmore to Read? What is Gilmore to say doing? Where is Tara?" Um, Gilmore to Read is Gilmore to Say's book club, and Tara is not much of a reader. She can read. Despite all of the jokes that I have made about her not being able to read, she totally can, because one of these months she is totally going to join us, and I'm really excited to get her to do so. But under Gilmore to Read, there are two different book clubs, um, sub- Book clubs, if you will, sub parties, if you're quoting Logan Huntsberger. And one of those is Reading a Sexy, where we're going to read mostly romance, but contemporary books that feel like Gilmore Girls the witty banter, the tropes that you love, dramatic relationships, men written by women, you know, like all of the things that you love about Gilmore Girls. We're going to find a book that fits that perfectly. And if you join Where You Read, I Will Follow, we will be reading books like Rory, we'll read some books from the show, some classics, but we're also going to incorporate some contemporary literary fiction so that we can be sure that we're reading really diversely, because I wouldn't say that was a strength of Rory Gilmore's in the book selection that she had. And in the month of April, Reading is Sexy read Seven Days in June by Tia Williams, and Where You Read, I Will Follow read Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen, two books that I absolutely loved. Um, I'm excited to get into Pride and Prejudice a little bit later because I actually have a guest for the rest of this episode. Um, if you are on Book Talk or on TikTok in any way, you probably know Cameron, who is Chamber of Secret Books. If you do not know her name off the top of your head, you have probably seen her gorgeous red hair, but her very passionate, sometimes silly, but very emotional takes on books in all genres, from the classics to, as we get into a little later, spicy romances. We talked books, we talked Gilmore Girls, and we of course talked Pride and Prejudice, which was like, of course, a five-star read. I loved it so much. Like, it's just like I love this broad sweeping story of miscommunications and misunderstandings and like the original simp of Mr. Darcy and all of her sisters and one of my favorite things about reading it was reading with the club and like seeing people bring up questions or bring up points of like what if Lorelai had had sisters like Elizabeth does or is Mr. Bennet Richard Gilmore, or who from the show would be Mr. Darcy, and I loved watching those conversations happen, and I'm just so glad that this was our first pick. I know that everyone was very excited to read this one. Um, We talk a little bit about it at the end of this episode, but five-star read from me. Very good first pick. Very excited about that one. That was a a great choice on behalf of all of you besties. But before we get into the conversation with Cameron, I wanted to talk about Seven Days in June by Tia Williams, which is our reading a sexy pick for April. I do have an ask out to Tia Williams to come on the podcast and talk about the book. I'm putting that out there to manifest her being on here. But if she, you know, if she declines, no hard feelings, because I absolutely loved this book. Five star read for me. I have to say that when I picked this, I knew very little about it. There's some of the books for the book club that I have read before and some of them that I have not. And this was definitely one I had not before. I actually picked it because I'm such a mood reader. I don't know if you are. A book has to like call to me for me to like really get in deep with it. Like just feel like it's calling out my name from the bookshelf. And Seven Days in June was totally doing that right before... we launched the book club and I was like, this is it. This is the pick. Um, And I picked it because it's a second chance romance between two writers. And that's really what I understood about it. And I was like, maybe this is like going to give those like Jess girlies that feeling that they wanted where like two teenagers like fell like instantly in love. And then all these years later, they're connected through their writing. And I just, I was like, that sounds perfect. But what I didn't realize about this book was this was like even more so a perfect book to pick for a book club that is like looking for books that have similar themes to Gilmore Girls because I knew that Eva Mercy the main character was a single mother but I did not realize that she was a single mother to I believe that Audra her daughter is 12 or 13 and she's a very precocious teenager and they very much have a relationship that's like Lorelai and Rory where they talk to each other like they're friends but Eva does have to step up many times to be to be the mom in the situation and they have like a very sweet funny relationship between the two of them which was one of my favorite parts of the book but what I didn't realize even further is Eva has a very contentious relationship with her mother so it becomes a little bit of like the cyclical nature of like how your relationship with your mother is going to affect your relationship with your daughter and vice versa um so like having that element that was so unexpected that I didn't realize was going to take up like a large part of the story was so exciting I went into this, like, with the idea that Eva was maybe, like, maybe more of, like, a Rory character, because she's a writer, but it, in the end, it kind of felt like more of, like, a Lorelei situation, um, because she, you know, the one real love of her life was her love from high school, and it wasn't necessarily, you know, the father of her child, because Eva is divorced, but it it just kind of like, you know, gave me that like, you know, twin flame soulmate vibes that sometimes Chris can give off. And I don't want to like completely wash away how incredible this book was by just focusing on how it was connected to Gilmore Girls. But that's one of the things that we're doing with the book club is finding those themes so that like, you know, the pitfalls of where Gilmore Girls is, is that like, it's a show that focuses entirely on people that are white. And I think that taking those themes and tropes that we love and finding diverse stories and having this story of, you know, this like witty banter, this deep, Connected love, this mother daughter relationship, and like there's so many pop culture references, but centering it all around a black woman was just so incredible to read. And I love Tia Williams' writing. This is all written in third person, so there's like that element that you see from Eva, you see from Shane, who is the love interest here, uh, who I just love so much. You see a lot from Audra, her daughter, and I did learn that Tia is. Currently writing a YA from Audra's perspective, which I'm very excited to read because she was one of the best characters in this. Um, but then you get a little bit from her mother as well, and it's just so it's just so good. And the way that the story all comes back together, all invented from the seven days that they spent together. You know, that's where the title comes from. It's Seven Days in June. Um, and so they spend seven days in June as kids and then they spend seven days in June as adults. And there was like absolutely no love lost. Um, but it's just a story of like how you need to grow for the people that you love. And I just I loved it so much and I would love to talk to Tia Williams about it if she does come on the podcast because it just I I have nothing but incredible things to say. I was crying at the end of this. Like, I was rooting so hard for this one part. I don't know if I want to say spoilers. See, that's what I'm trying to figure out right now. This is the first episode of Gilmore to Read. I can't decide if, like, me talking about this right now, if I'm like, do I want to talk to the book club girlies? Like, my book besties? Or do I want to, like, give people who haven't read this book a chance to without, like, spoiling anything? So I'm going to err on the side of no spoilers now but as we go through you know like we can change the format of this we can change anything that we do but Gilmore to read episodes if any of you have any suggestions we are you know I'm open to evolving this to be whatever works for all of us you know but yeah so there's like part of this that I want to spoil it so bad but I can't because just like the love that was between Eva and Shane and what was going on in Shane's life during this book is just so good i I I can't say enough good things about this book. Um, And it seemed like most people in the club really liked it too, which I was really excited by. I will say, I did not know this going in, but there are a fair amount of trigger warnings that you might want to check because it, it does get a little bit dark in some of the flashbacks, but... I think if you check the trigger warnings and if you're okay with that then proceed ahead. A good place to check trigger warnings on books that I found is on the app Storygraph. It is a book tracker so you can like track what you've been reading that year but you can also look like what the book is kind of about like in terms not just in terms of the plot but kind of like the feeling and the mood that you get from the book. You can see what other people thought of it like what Sort of like tropes are in it, but you can also check any sort of trigger warnings that other readers have put on it that aren't necessarily from the author or from the platform itself. So it's like people who are reading it are updating it as well. So I would check on there if that's something that you might need to look into before you start reading a book. I will say that it was actually really a little bit meta um, because this book started and immediately we were met with Eva, who is dealing with a chronic illness, which is something that I personally have been going through the last couple of months. So to like have that like immediately was just like to have that representation of someone that's really just going through something that other people can't see. She has to really like explain what her pains are that that is like a big storyline of hers and having that chronic illness representation was really just like really exciting to open this first book and see. If you have any interest in any of that, I cannot recommend this book enough. That being said, that was our reading is Sexy Pick are where you read I Will Follow Pick, Pride and Prejudice. I'm going to get into it with Cameron, who actually works at Fable who is, of course, the app who hosts our book club. Um, So she joined me quickly between meetings over at Fable, which was so wonderful of her. Um, And we talked about books. We talked about Gilmore Girls. I think you can probably guess what team she is based on how much she loves books. Um, And then we talked a little bit about Pride and Prejudice at the end. I had such a great time talking to Cameron. um, And I feel like you will love her as well.
0: Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com slash audio.
1: Hi, Cameron. Thank you so much for joining me for the first official episode of Gilmore to Read.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be the. I didn't realize I was the first guest. This is great.
1: Yeah, you were the first guest. We tried to get Jane Austen because she was, you know, of course, our first big book club pick, but like she was unavailable. So
2: our next choice was you, of course. (laughs) That's good. A good follow up. You know, I I feel like her and I are definitely on the same level.
1: For sure. For sure. (laughs) Um, So we actually got connected because you work for Fable, which is uh, how we do our book club we host on fable um and when we reached out to you and you emailed back to us um tara who you met on our call who's my co-host i was like tara that's chamber of secret books and she yeah. was like who
2: because she i told
1: you she doesn't read yeah. so that's she's she can read but um a lot of our f- listeners don't like the joke that i make that she can't read but she can mm-hmm. um but she like didn't know so i sent her some of your tiktoks because i was like i like low-key have a parasocial relationship with her because like she, i've been following her on TikTok since like I started and then you got on our call and I was like I was like I'm being professional I don't know her she's a stranger she's not my friend
2: (laughs) oh my god I had no idea well that's good you pulled that you were so good I never would have known because you had, you asked like, how
1: did we learn about Fable? Mm -hmm. And I was like, through you. Uh Uh (laughs) And I was trying to be like very casual about it. But I've been like a big fan of your TikTok for a really long time. Because I've been on TikTok since like, I think like early 2021. Mm -hmm. But like you were like one of the first people that I like started following and how I got onto book talk and like started loving reading again. So that's one of the reasons I was like so excited when I was like, do you want to be on the podcast? And you were like, yeah, of course. I was like, I'm so excited.
2: That makes me so happy. I'm so glad. Um, Yeah, and I'm a big fan of you too. So I'm just happy to be here. This is
1: great. So, for people who don't know, you are Chamber of Secret Books on Book Talk, Mm -hmm. TikTok, if you will. Um, If they don't know you by name, they probably know you're like beautiful red hair and very passionate takes on books. Um, (laughs) Sometimes very silly, sometimes like super serious. And Mm -hmm. it's wonderful. But how did you get started in book talk?
2: Yeah, so I actually started on Bookstagram, um, I, you know, but the, I had like literally 20 followers and I would just post my little book recommendations into the board. Um, and you know what? I was prejudiced to, to TikTok. I, I assumed it was a place of, of, you know, dancers and I thought it was like a lesser vibe. Same. I was a Vine <laughs> fanatic. And I'm like, what are they trying to do? make another Vine. So I don't know why I was so (laughs) heated about that. But so I was definitely late to the game. But then it wasn't until one of my friends like sent me a book, um, a book video. And I was like, wait a minute. Intrigue. There's a different community besides like dancing. And then lo and behold, I'm an idiot. There's uh, so many different communities in TikTok. So uh, that's how I first got introduced to book talk and then but I still was like, oh, I don't have anything profound interesting to say about books like like these people who are doing it who were already um, you know really big on on book talk, they were doing it. They were saying all that I had to say. Uh, so I was like, okay, I'll just leave it. But then I saw one video and it was this girl and she was like, She said, physically, I'm in, blank, like, the state that she was in, but mentally, I'm, and then she, like, made up this whole sort of daydream, and I was, like, hold up, that's all I do 24-7, all I do is daydream, (laughs) so I was, like, I could bring something to the table here, so that was the first video I did where I was like, physically I'm in New York, mentally I'm in Scotland and there's a Highlander and he's,
0: you know, injured or
2: <laughs> something like that. I forget what it is, but that was my first TikTok that, that did like moderately well. And I was like, okay, cool. Like there's a group of people that are interested in, in these daydreams. So let me continue.
1: So that's how I started. No, and I feel like that's so like that's so true of book talk is like you kind of feel like you have to like, if you're going to talk about books online, you have to be like really serious. You have to have something profound to say, something new. But there's this like whole genre of book talk where it's like just about like the feeling of reading or like just like this one moment in a book that you like zero in on where like you get a book recommendation just from like one single quote. And I feel like that's that's kind of like your genre of book talk where it's like, I'm going to read that book because you just told me one single quote from it and how it made you feel and now that's that's all I can think about
2: exactly I mean I was an English major in in college so there's definitely like an air of um, like pretentiousness when it came to talking about books that I was never like fully comfortable with and I just couldn't do that and like connote reading to like intellect like being an intellectual, and I was like, "What is this? Like, what are we doing here? Like, why don't we just you know, like you said, talk about the feeling? Like, what it makes us um, feel, what we experience." Uh, so I'm really glad that book talk has sort of changed that stigma about you know readers in general, um, about you know us being like, I don't know. For a long time, I was like this this group of people in college like they're just elite like they're trying to be elite and and um it was like it was hard to breach into that group I felt a little intimidated so I have been loving book talk and just how much fun and and judgment free it's been um that's a big part of it like you know I I've said this before but there was a time in my life where I could not walk into the romance section of, of Barnes and Noble, like I was I was just like looking behind my shoulder. Like I was scared that someone was gonna see like, oh my God, she's reading romance. No same, yeah. yeah but now it's totally it's, Yeah, like even even bookstores have have accepted it and celebrated romance books and now they're you know, the front tables at, at a bookstore. So it's just been really great to see what Book Talk has done.
1: And it's like the genre that's like growing the most in terms of publishing, like in terms of book sales. It's like always growing in terms of like other genres that keep dropping. So it's like feels like book talk really took charge of that. Um, that actually leads me to what I was gonna ask you is I feel like before I got on TikTok and Book Talk, I was like such a serious reader. Like I took myself too seriously. Like I remember that like I I think I read like Daisy Jones and the Six, like when it first came out and I was like, Oh, even this is a little bit too close to like not being serious enough for how I take myself but now I like you know like reading every book that has a man with wings so do you feel like book talk did that to you where it's like it introduced you to a genre that like before you were like you know like pushing away but now it's like your whole personality
2: like a hundred percent in in college I swore only by the classic books like we're talking 19th century only I would read and if it was anything after like 1899 I was like Ugh, no I won't read that <laughs> I'm like what the hell was I <laughs> like what was I trying to do you were depriving her I know like but I will like those books are great the classics are great you know like yeah you know, we're gonna talk about Pride and Prejudice like they're they're probably my first love but boy oh boy was that a like a, a sheltered reading experience um some of the romance books that i have read you know i i before book talk i'm gonna be honest i hadn't read anything straight up romance it was always a a subplot in a book um but i'm trying to think of like the first romance book oh you know what it was after we're not going to talk about it but after the fan fiction (laughs) that was the first romance i read um that's a, that's a gateway drug, though. It's, like, easy mm-hmm. to, like, lean into.
1: You kind of realize, like, I love this, but, mm-hmm. like, maybe I want something a little better. Yeah.
2: So, like, I – and then when I found that there were books that were better than after, like, w- better written than after, my God, the world had changed. Um, I probably never would have read – uh. I think like Tessa Bailey was a was a shock to me because oh, yeah. the the cover was so cute and innocent, and I thought I was going into <laughs> like a little fisherman romance. And my God, he he rocked the boat, if you know what I mean. Um,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, he certainly did. <laughs> That's um, it happened one summer. Is that what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, see, my first one was Emily Henry, because like I was like. Just kind of, you know, like I walked into a bookstore. I had seen it, like I picked it up off the table, and I was like, "I have heard this book before." Like I'm kind of sad. Maybe I'll just read this. What have I got to lose? And then I read it like three times that week because I was like, "What is this? Yeah. Why have I not been reading this?" Wait, was it
2: "People We Meet on Vacation" or "Beetreed"? Beach Beetreed. Beach Beetreed. Beach yeah, I remember seeing "People We Meet on Vacation" everywhere, and like before Book Talk, I never once would have picked it up so you're so right because then the second i joined tiktok like that book was everywhere and like all emily henry's reads um and boy oh boy they were right it's so good but yeah i agree with you beach read beach read um, is my favorite
1: Oh, really? Oh, it's just, it's so good. We're reading Happy Place this month in May for our Reading a Sexy Book Club, because I feel like she's just like that perfect like romance, but like drama, but like man went to therapy, but like has that like witty banter that like Gilmore Girls has. So it's just like such a perfect read. (laughs) Is there a book that I guess like before Book Talk a book that you remember reading that like you were like, I... Love this! I love hallucinating text on the page, and sitting in here with the scenario in my bedroom, adoring this.
2: Yeah, uh, definitely. I think if you scroll back all the way to my first Instagram post, it was Song of Achilles that um, that changed my life. Like I had never read anything like that, and the fact that she like reimagined a story that was so old already and brought these characters to life again in such a real way I was floored um and her I thought her writing was just brilliant and and so beautiful her you know her prose is just so like lyrical and I was obsessed so that was definitely you know one of the books that I read because like I said like during college I was reading all the time but it was for the for assignments you know so it does take the pleasure out of reading a little bit because you always, you know, have it in the back of your mind that you have to read this book correctly, you know? Um, yeah. But, so Song of Achilles, I was able to, like, read, you know, during one one break I had. And then I was like, yes, like, this is why I'm an English major. Like, this is why we tell stories. It was just so beautiful. And um, that book, and also I'll never stop talking about Call Me By Your Name. I've never read anything like that writing before um, and oh, I just like he articulates emotions that I didn't even know you could form into words I thought it was just like you know like a muddle of feelings that you feel but he was able to to you know make me feel seen um, so those are the two books that you know I can't I can't express how much I've been.
1: That's so perfect. I haven't read *Song of Achilles*. I have it to read. It's on my TBR. I de- every person that I've heard talk about it has been like, "How have you not read this? You have to. It's so it's so wonderful." But *Call Me by Your Name*. I I remember like walking down like the streets of New York, like holding the book in my face, like reading as I was walking because I was so enamored by that book. So like I totally totally agree with you there. Yeah. This is a question that someone put in the question box. I posted on Instagram for um. I don't know if it was our followers or yours. It seemed like a mix of them because some of them seemed kind of personalized <laughs> and seemed to know you a bit better. Um, but someone asked if you could read one author for like the rest of forever, including like new releases, if they're still writing, which author would you pick? Oh boy.
2: Oh boy. <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking at all the books that I have. Um, just I know
1: that's like such a, that's
2: such a huge question to, to put on the spot. That is a good question though. Whoa, instinctually, I wanted to say Sally Rooney. Um, I think I don't know. I don't know. Oh, sorry, one second. (laughs) Oh my god, or no, I know who it is. It's Leigh Bardugo. Lee Bardugo. Sorry, I always say her name wrong. Yeah,
1: oh, okay, yeah, yeah,
2: because I know you're a really big fan of Ninth House. I'm a huge fan of Ninth House and before I read, no, while I was reading Knife House for the first time, I had no idea that she had also written Six of Crows, which was, you know, my all-time favorite book. Like, I got it tattooed on me. So, I didn't connect oh, really? it. Yeah, like, I don't know, because it was so different from Six of Crows that I just initially didn't connect the two. So, the fact that she can write this, these two... Ugh. <laughs> like I love her so much I could cry. So definitely it's Dugo for me. What's the tattoo? i have no mourners, no funerals. Oh, okay. Yeah. I admittedly,
1: Six of Crows is literally sitting on my like bedside table. I'm like three pages in. Oh, um, okay. So sorry. <laughs> well, I'm excited to get back into it. Mm. So I guess on that note, someone asked, like, what are your favorite tropes that you would like die for? Mm. That like these are the like if this trope is in a book, you're going to like throw down and find a way to read this book as soon as possible. (laughs) I
2: love tropes. Um, okay. So I think one of my all time favorite tropes, it's so funny you say this because I actually have a list. We love someone prepared. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Two people are, are stuck together and like they have to live together or they have to, um, you know, like complete a mission together, something like that. Yeah, like force proximity. Well, oh, that's what it's called. Thank you. Um, that's what I'll always choose a book that that has that. And fake dating. I love fake dating. I know a lot of don't
1: like it? I love fake dating. It's so good. I saw a TikTok the other day that was like a lot of people a lot of like girls like fake dating because you don't feel like you would like end up in a situation where a man would like you for you. He would only like you because he was forced to spend time with you. And
2: I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um that is upsettingly true. <laughs> I do. I'm a fan of friends to lovers. Oh, you know what I love? I love a return to hometown, like a Hallmark, like, oh, big city girl comes back to small town. I love it. I don't know any recommendations for that off the top of my
1: head. Do you have any that you, like, immediately can think of? I mean, book lovers to some degree. Oh, that's
2: what I was going to say. Yeah, book lovers. (laughs) I'm sorry, I took your example.
1: Oh, and
2: then... um, It's
1: the Charlie Lastra of it all, isn't it? Oh, so good,
2: Yeah. I think Tessa Bailey has one called The Getaway Girl That's, that has a similar plot.
1: How do you decide what you're reading? Because you read so many different varieties of books. You read classics. You read, you know, there's a stalker romance every once in a while. Like, how do you decide what's next for you? So funny.
2: Um, yeah, I I don't. It's very mood-based. It's based on, like, things I'm watching. Um Things I'm, even the music I'm listening to, you know, if I'm in like a Phoebe Bridgers, um, you know, zone that I usually am in, then it'll make me want to read something like so- literary fiction, something that'll make me ponder. Um, but then, you know, if I'm listening to my Taylor Swift, and like, I want to read Emily Henry. And I just don't know how else to describe it. But yes, it's very mood base. also my for you page seems to always be changing and sometimes it will just send me these quotes that like annihilate me and make me want to feel dark and just sad and gloomy and then sometimes it will show me these like spicy you know quotes that knock my socks off and I'm like give me that book right now so yeah I'm very I'm very influenced by others
1: that's exactly how I am. I'll be like in the middle of a book and I'll see a book on book talk and just one little quote from it. And I'm like, well, now I have to read that mm-hmm. and find that one quote that was in this book that made me feel so deeply.
2: So if you ever are in a reading slump, just pick up my go to Tessa Bailey, like a spicy, filthy romance will immediately get you out of a slump. Like it it has, it is a tried and true method that has worked on every occasion so that's just my, my self. I completely
1: agree <laughs> it's a it's a perfect way to get out of a slump that's what I I feel like I've been in a slump for like the past like month I think like all of April I read like or all of March I read like two books and so getting back into April I was like just like Daphne Perry everything because <laughs> I was like this is the only way to get through this yeah But one of the reasons that i asked you to be on the podcast is because we were talking about you know like gilmore to say it's a gilmore girls base, and i asked you if you liked gilmore girls and i thought the answer would be yes because you're like very passionate book girl but i wanted to like double check because you know sometimes people you know you never know the answer but you answered with an emphatic yes you do love gilmore girls um yeah. But I feel like with the podcast, it's, like, when I ask people ha- how they like Gilmore Girls, I kind of have to, like, find to, like, what degree. Because, like, very clearly, I'm very deeply obsessed with it. Um, so I kind of, like, judge it on, like, do you watch it every fall? Do you watch it every night when you fall asleep? Like, what is your what is your relationship with Gilmore Girls?
2: This is so great. And I love having the chance to talk about Gilmore Girls because, I like, no one cares that I like it. So I watch it I do watch it every fall and you know before I made book talk videos um I actually just remembered I made a Gilmore Girls TikTok and it was like like you know when it's September 1st you know and then um I don't even know what I said in it but I'm a huge huge Gilmore Girls fan Every, I mean, the minute the leaves are changing, like if I don't put it on <laughs> and like have a huge cup of coffee, then I, I, the rest of the season is cursed. That does not fall at all. Yeah.
1: When did you start watching it? Was it like when you were younger, or did you binge it later in life, or later? I say later in life. We're not that old.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I binged it. Well, I did like in college. That's when I found it. Um, yeah. But yeah, my mom was so mad because she was like. What? Like I had this show on all the time when you were little, and I had no, I had no memory of that. So she claims that she showed it to me, but I found it on my own. Mother is listening.
1: <laughs> well, that's like that's a very like motherly, you know. It's, it's on theme: mm-hmm. mother-daughter relationships. Mother thinking she knows best. <laughs> Do you have, like, a preference of, like, how you watch Gilmore Girls? Like, are you in early seasons? Do you like later seasons? Do you, like, classify it from, like, the Rory eras, like, the short hair era, (laughs)
2: high school era, Um, college era? You know, it's so funny. I definitely always go towards the earlier seasons because... I don't, I don't know if, like, you think this, but sometimes Rory can, like, get on my nerves in the, in the older seasons, so. Someone wanted to know your
1: hot takes, so, like, feel free to any spicy thoughts that you have. Don't be shy.
2: Yeah, like, Rory sometimes pisses me off, and, like, when she left Yale, I was so mad. I, um, like, I get why she did it, but also I'm like, oh, and then when Jess yells at her, like, what are you doing? I was like, yes, because he's, he's my favorite. Um, that's another hot
1: take. I was about to ask you what team you were on, but like I was like, I don't even think I have to ask. I think she's team Jess. I think we have a Jess girly on our hands. My sister is a
2: huge Dean Dean fan, which I didn't even know there were any really? there. Really? Oh, she loves Dean.
1: I feel like I have to talk to her about that. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, our first episode of our podcast
2: is talking about how much we don't like Dean. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I hate seeing, I mean, Every time we rewatch, though, I see her like, mm, like maybe he's not that good, but she refuses to admit it. Um, but it's it's kind of like his hair and his height. I think that are keeping her. <laughs> she's <laughs> blinded her. by
1: his tallness. Yeah.
2: Um, which I mean, that that first episode he's in with the leather jacket—I'll never forget that. That was that was gorgeous. Um, yeah.
1: So, like, he gives me such like YA, like, Conrad vibes in like the early seasons of like, you know, like, just like moody, but like, all I can think of like is their date when he says, I love you. And he like planned the whole dinner and then to go out to like the Firelight Festival. And it's just like, he was so cute and he tried really hard. It just, it just gets to a point. But like, he feels like a YA, like, hero. In the beginning, Definitely. at least in my opinion,
2: yeah, and I think that was a good, you know, first boyfriend for Rory. And right there were, but I will say there were times when he would be like, "Oh, like he's so annoying." Be like, Ugh! you're studying? Like I thought we were hanging out." Like, <laughs> Dean, like the girl wants to go to Harvard. You know, let her yeah. read a book. It's like you knew this going in that she was like this, so. But then Jess comes in, and yeah, he's kind of, you know, when I rewatch it, I do notice, you know, maybe that he's a little mean sometimes. <laughs> but <laughs> um, he's just so cute, and he reads. Oh, he reads. Yeah. He's not like other boys,
1: he reads books. <laughs> the, so, like, that was what I wanted to ask you, though, is like, the same with like books, where it's like you can pull out these little moments, like these quotes and like these feelings. Is there a moment in Gilmore Girls where you feel like, like your team Jess feelings are like overwhelming you from like just a little thing that he does, other than when he yelled at her, which was, you know, that was hot.
2: Yeah. Um. Shoot, I can't. I haven't rewatched it in so long. There's definitely something I'm forgetting. Um.
1: I feel like one of them is probably when he steals her book and he gives it back to her when she's and she's like I thought you didn't read much and he
2: says well what much. is much <laughs> I love it. I love it. There was one scene which no one's going to agree with me but during the dance when the, like the 24 hour danceathon um yeah. and then he's like making out with that girl I I'm I like her <laughs> like a little jealousy moment and like you know that he's kissing that girl because he's jealous and yeah in my mind I was like oh, I kind of like that even though it's horrible um so maybe that just says
1: something about me it, no it's like a little bit toxic you know the situation like him like Dean yelling but it's like that is like what I want from my television mm-hmm. I want like Jess making out with Shane in the bleachers while Rory is like pining after him and then Dean is yelling at her like it's it's bad like men should not do that. <laughs> but do I want to watch it
2: on television? Yeah. This Absolutely. is only for fictional cases.
1: Like I can I can discern the difference between like real life and mm-hmm. TV, and I want that on my television.
2: Exactly.
1: Like the same when, like, I don't know how you feel about this, but like when Dean and Rory sleep together. Mm-hmm. Horrible. I hate it. Cheating. Not yeah. good. But I also really loved it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I I haven't rewatched I actually skipped that episode all the time so I haven't watched that in a while um but I just remembered yeah, no it's a good one to skip okay I remember because you know I have this deep Dean hatred so anytime I see him I yeah. skipped it but I, I mean for her to yeah lose her virginity maybe Dean was the correct choice
1: I don't know I don't know it was the dramatic choice very
2: true. And you know what? The more we watch the show, the more Logan grows on me a little. Is that the case? Yeah. I'm team Logan, I would oh, say.
1: Yeah, okay. I'm very, I'm like CEO of team Logan. He's my, he's my, he's my fave. He's my man. You
2: know, I saw a TikTok that said that Logan was actually supposed to be Chad Michael Murray's character. Did you see that? I've heard that before. I don't know how true that mm. is.
1: That is actually one of the questions that... Randomly, a lot of people did not ask what team you were. They asked if you were Team Tristan and if you wished if Tristan would have ended up with Rory. And I was gonna ask you about that because I didn't know if you had like ever mentioned loving Tristan or what because there was like three questions that were specifically about you being Team
2: Tristan. That's so funny because I literally have never brought it up, but it's something (laughs) I feel passionate about. I love Tristan. I loved him since day one. I thought he was the perfect like mixture of bad boy, had a past, trauma. You find out why he's acting out the way he is. And I freaking loved him. So then when I found out that there was a possibility that, you know, Tristan was supposed to be Logan, I was floored. I thought that was perfect because I had wished, you know, Tristan stayed. And, and yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely team, team Tristan. Definitely
1: what about you? I used to not be team Tristan. Like I used to not really like him. I like, I used to kind of think he was kind of annoying, but in this rewatch that I've done this last time, I was like, I love him. Like I wanted more from him when like, he actually ended up leaving. I was like, why are we doing this? Like, and I know it's because like Jess was coming and like the new bad boy was in town, but it's like, I was, I was such a fan of his Mm -hmm. and I was like rooting for him so hard. Um, but he of course like left and did Dawson's Creek and One Tree Hill. But I really wanted more of him because I just felt like he was a good, like it was like a good push and pull between them. I love an enemies to lovers. Like this is what it felt like that was headed towards, where like they were maybe enemies and then maybe little friends and then potentially lovers. Yeah. I don't know. But that's what that felt like was happening. Was um if Tristan had been Logan though, I kind of like would have loved that simply because i love a second chance romance Mm. so like if we had had if like chad michael marie had come back as logan um losing logan would be sad but i love second chance is my favorite show hands down so like getting the new and improved tristan like maybe after military
2: school Mm -hmm. would have been but you're still right why am i gonna write a fan fiction of that that's great i wonder if someone's done that
1: (laughs) they have to have right
2: that's a great thing.
1: I used to read so much Gilmore Girls fan fiction Mm. in like 2007. So I know there's like some plot lines from Gilmore Girls that I'm like, is this fan fiction or did this
2: actually happen?
1: (laughs) And I kind of have to like remind myself of like what was real and what was not. Yeah.
2: Also, you know, it was another funny thing was that people were saying with Dean that there was like some sexual tension between him and Lorelai. And then I rewatched it and I was like, it's so oh, true. true and like Jess doesn't do that you know Logan doesn't do that but no. so that was another off-putting thing about Dean that I didn't like
1: it was a little bit it was a little bit like baby they should have called cut and like <laughs> redone that scene <laughs> like a little a little bit less like you guys are gonna kiss at the yeah. end of the scene <laughs> so true <laughs> Are there any characters that you don't like other than Dean or like storylines that you don't like? Because I know that you said that Rory starts to annoy you in the later seasons, but is there anyone that like you're just like, no, anytime they come on screen, you're like, stop this?
2: Oh, there was definitely, oh my god, I forget his name. Um, Lorelai's boyfriends, there was definitely several of them who who annoy me. Um, who's the guy? Oh, is like Fisher? Is something, um, He was, like, actually friends with her as children, and then he grows up. Oh, Digger. Digger. Jason. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was trying to, I was like, Fisher? I don't know.
1: That was so, it was in
2: action. Yeah. Him. I just, anytime he showed up on screen, I was like, get out of my face. I don't like you. And, you know, I don't really have anything to justify that hatred. but it was
1: there. A feeling is all you need. Mm-hmm. If you don't like him, you don't like him. Yeah. That's how I feel about Max. <laughs> Dina. Uh, yeah. Like, I just, like, there's something about I get such an ick for him, and I've never been able to articulate why. It's just, like, a feeling I have inside mm-hmm. of me for this man when he comes up on the screen.
2: And that's it. Yeah. Like, that's, that's all I can say about and it. And I guess it's because, also, I'm such a diehard Luke fan that any boyfriend that came in and interrupted their inevitable you know um get together annoyed me um especially chris that's the father's name right chris oh yeah chris so it's like they tried to make him this bad guy who rides a motorcycle and i'm like that's not (laughs) you like that's not
1: he's kind of bland isn't he
2: Bland man yes he is so i'm like get him off this motorcycle like put
1: put jess on the motorcycle you're right rewrites (laughs) rewrites yeah. <laughs> fan fiction right now <laughs> but you love luke okay so then how did you feel like in the later seasons when you know they like they they ended their engagement and luke had a daughter like we were rooting for luke and then and then he
2: yeah luke definitely you know he it's not perfect but i i was just so team them for so long that it you know you i couldn't not support them even if he annoyed me um yeah i just love i love him that he watched from the sidelines for so long and didn't say so long Ah, i just and he's always there for her like no matter what she needs he's there and you know that's the real life thing that you want like you want someone who's who's constantly thinking about you and you know, at four AM, you could call them and and they they'll come and get you. And like that's Luke. Like Luke would literally do anything for Lorelai. Yeah. And even if he didn't get you know, like romance out of it, he just cares about her so much that that he does that. So I'm I'm Team Luke to the end.
1: I have to say, like you saying that, I always like struggle like with friends to lovers in books. Sometimes I kind of like find it kind of boring but like in the instance of Luke and Lorelai I feel like that's like what you want from real life like friends to lovers like fictional less so but like in real life like that's that's what you want and like seeing like Luke live out this like you know like seasons worth of just like being there for her and like loving her and pining for her just like witnessing it it's like when we get to season four and they finally kiss and you're
2: just like yes thank god <laughs> i love a secret pining yeah oh uh, love secret
1: pining um this is like the less i guess gilmore girls related one which leads into our later conversation which is do you relate more to rory or lorelei or even paris if you want to go the paris route
2: it's a great question my sister mom and i talk about this all the time we try to like cast ourselves and i've Every time, I'm a mixture between Rory and Paris, definitely. Um Like, do I like that? <laughs> do I like that? I have that <laughs> part of Paris in me? Maybe not, but... She's passionate, she's, though. She cares a lot. That's, that's why, yeah. And, like, maybe I do get a little angry when people don't see my vision. So that's how <laughs> I can relate to Paris. Um, but, yeah, Rory's, like, the, the book... Nerd. Um, she's like more quiet, less outgoing, and I like when she looks at her mom and is like, "How do you like flirt with guys? Like, how do you get them to fall in love with you?" I relate to to that line of questioning, so I that part always stuck with me. Um, so yeah,
1: because you're like, "How do I do this?" Mm-hmm. Rory Gilmore, who then had like every man she ever met fall in love with her, every
2: single man. Yeah,
1: she had no problem. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: You were talking about, like, casting yourself in it, though. Someone asked if you could recast, like, your team. So, in this case, Jess. If you could recast Jess with a different actor, like, if Gilmore Girls was happening now, who would you cast in the role of Jess Mariano? Whoa,
2: whoa, whoa. Who have I been obsessed with lately? You know, I'm on my Pedro Pascal
1: I was about to say he's a little. That's why right? I know. <laughs> There's no way.
2: Yes.
1: <laughs> do you imagine Pedro Pascal being like a teenager with all these um, well, teens sitting next to Dean?
2: Timothy Chalamet, maybe. He's a little skinny for that, but I feel like he's such a good actor; he could totally do it.
1: Yeah, um, it reminds me of his role in Lady Bird, mm-hmm. where he was kind of like that, like almost like faux bad boy. Yeah,
2: totally. Oh, you know what? I know the second this ends, I'm going to think of like eight actors. I don't know if you could pull off being Jess, but another one of my favorite fictional men from TV is um, literally Kim Lee. What's his name? Whoa, one second. Friday Night Lights. Tim Riggins. Oh, have you seen Friday Night Lights? Yeah, I actually okay. watched
1: it because... Matt Zucry, who plays Logan, is in, like, one episode, so I, like, binged this whole series just so I could see this one episode for this man was in it.
2: <laughs> yeah. I think... It was worth it. Like, he could make a, a different Jess, a different kind of Jess.
1: I feel like he could probably play adult Jess. Mm-hmm. Like, but I mean, who could beat Milo? Yeah. so you mentioned the Rory being like the book early. Did you, cause I guess you watched it in college. So at this point you were already a reader. Um, cause I know that like me watching it really young, like I felt like I became a reader because of Rory or like, I can't really tell what came first, but she definitely influenced mm-hmm. me a lot. Um, and I feel like you're a little bit in your Rory Gilmore era with your, your own book club on fable chamber of classic books um which it just felt like so serendipitous that like when I asked you to be on the podcast that the book that you read last month was also Pride and Prejudice yeah it just felt like I was like she's a perfect person to talk to about Pride and Prejudice and all things Gilmore Girls and it just like perfectly aligned
2: um Rory definitely has influenced me since college to now I think anytime I needed Like, literally, when I needed motivation to to study or write an essay, if you just put on one episode of Gilmore Girls, like, and you saw how hard Rory worked, and how much she enjoyed reading and, like, even writing essays, I was instantly, like, back on, you know, my academic game, so. Perfect study inspo. Yeah, she's great. And what made you pick Pride and Prejudice to read for your book club? Um, so sometimes we vote sometimes I have such an urge to read a book that I'm like I'm forcing you all to read it and for Pride and Prejudice that was the case um I I (laughs) love Jane Austen and she's actually who I wrote my thesis on in college so her and I oh really way back yeah
1: Oh, so you really were the next like good step after having Jane Austen on the podcast? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I need to brush up on my my Jane Austen facts, but because I like wrote that whole thesis and then I never looked at it again. I was like, oh, like I'm overwriting Yeah, academically, you just moved it from your
1: brain. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I I love Pride and Prejudice. I think it's the perfect love story. I mean she's so ahead of her time that I I needed to get my club to read it. And I wanted, you know, I have read that maybe like two or three times and there's so many smart people in my book club that I just wanted to see like things that they take away from it and um, different opinions yeah. on people. So it was so fun um, to read with everyone. And also, Fable just came out with an AI, what's it called? Like an AI character bot. So he um our head editor Jason he was able to get basically like Mr. Darcy participating in the book club with us and it was
1: oh I saw that Yeah, it was
2: so cool because you could ask the the bot like oh how would you have done this scene differently you know if it's a scene where like Darcy's being rude to Elizabeth and the the bot like knew and it was so fascinating so It was an interactive experience that was really fun to be a part of.
1: Getting to talk to Mr. Darcy, what a dream. (laughs) I I love that. So we picked Pride and Prejudice for Where You Read, I will follow because everyone requested it, like all of the Listeners were like, "This is the book that we have to read." Because I actually picked *The Idiot* by Elif Batuman, which we're reading for May, which I know that you are a really big fan of. But we, I picked that, and then everyone was like, "No, no, no, we want to read *Pride and Prejudice*." And I was like, "Why would I deny all of you this book that you are dying to read?" So we picked, I picked that one to read first. Um, so you know, like I had read this book in high school, and I was like, my frontal lobe was not fully developed yet. I I didn't really get it like and I really really wanted to though so like rereading this as an adult I'm like this book is so funny like Jane Austen is hilarious and the fact that she
2: like got away with with poking fun at like the upper class you know and like her being a woman and and doing that and she was able to to poke fun but also have some real insight into what's wrong with them like and their priorities. i'm also getting mixed up with persuasion because that's what i wrote my thesis on and that's my favorite jane austen book i will say um i love persuasion but yeah she's just so she's so smart and funny and witty and like the banter is great um the banter yeah, yeah. i
1: did not I just didn't get that as a teenager like I was like this just it was so formal like as classics are written because it's just like from a different time that I was like I just didn't get it yeah and so reading it this time was just so so much more enjoyable mm-hmm. um and also reading it on fable was fun to like you know go through and like see what everyone else was highlighting and reacting to um and it was also fun to read it with, like a bunch of Gilmore Girls fans because i felt like people were like kind of trying to find you know the things that they love about Gilmore Girls from Pride and Prejudice and one of them was that Mr. Bennett feels like so much like Richard Gilmore like even just in that first chapter where he's like what is it he says to her you want to tell me and I have no objection to hearing it like that is totally something that he would say to Emily Gilmore.
2: Without a doubt that's so funny i See, I love that you guys are doing that, like reading it through a new lens of Gilmore Girls. That's, that's genius. Um, and I never would have related the two. So I love that. That's great
1: no, I, I never would have thought that too. I didn't really realize that we were doing that. It was more of like it just came about because like, you know, we're all Gilmore Girls obsessed. So it like is always at the forefront of our mind. And something that people were talking about is like, obviously Elizabeth has a bunch of sisters and like her mom is like dead set on finding her match, someone to marry. It's kind of like the purpose of what she's doing. And it's like, if... Emily had had, like, another daughter that Lorelai wasn't the only focus on, like, because that's kind of what Emily ends up doing, is, like, she's trying to make sure she ends up with the best match in a much different way for a much different reason, but the big question is if Lorelai would have had a sister, how would that have, like, changed the story? Mm-hmm. And there was, like, a discussion about that that I was very fascinated by, because most people said that they think that it would have been just, like, Emily just would have had two people to do it mm-hmm.
2: to. <laughs> I think so, too, yeah. That it wouldn't have
1: changed it much. Um, a lot of people asked that we be really gentle with Mr. Darcy in discussing him, because they're like, he's awkward, but I love him. And I was like, I don't, I love Darcy. I would never, I would never be mean to Mr. Darcy. Wait, people are hating
2: on Darcy? I didn't even know that was...
1: Or they were They were thinking that we were going oh, to hate on Darcy.
2: Okay. I mean, him taking back the proposal was a little, a little problematic. Uh, But, you know, it's a sign of the times. So I forgive.
1: I forgive. Well, one of the questions that I have for you is like, so when we meet Mr. Darcy, the gentleman pronounced him to be fine figure of a man and the ladies declared he was much handsomer than Mr. Bingley. Immediately, he's like the hottest man in the room. Great. Gorgeous by Taylor Swift is (laughs) blank. But then so there's this man. But then later you find out that he called you not handsome enough to tempt him. Like, I don't
2: think I could recover from that
1: That was my question Because then he proposes to you and says he loves you And then he proposes again And he's like violently in love with you But like could you ever forget that No (laughs) Would you not like bring it up years later You're Mrs. Darcy like at this point for like six years Would you not just be like do you remember that one time You said I was not handsome enough to tempt (laughs) you
2: And it's like He said that unprovoked like why did he say that Um yeah, you know maybe we are gonna run him a little that was <laughs> that was crazy i mean to say um yeah that would always be in the back of my mind always yeah because I mean,
1: even when he tells miss bingley that like she's like the most handsome person of my acquaintance i'm like yeah, but do you remember when you said that and she heard you?
0: <laughs>
1: like, she didn't hear you say, you say that. This.
2: Why did you say that? Yeah,
1: um, it was unprovoked, totally.
0: Yeah,
2: like I would get it if he was saying that out of jealousy or something, but that was just like, first night here, let me just cause some chaos. Let me start calling <laughs> girls ugly, like, really. For-
1: First night in, yeah. first
2: night in town, let me just
1: find out which one of these girls I like, can insult. Yeah. It's giving me like, Edward Cullen a little. <laughs> I, I feel like there is a little bit of Darcy to Edward mm-hmm. Cullen for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's a little bit of an introvert, you know, doesn't like getting out much. Um, but I will say my favorite part of the book is definitely chapter 58 when he is like finally like they're like expressing themselves to each other. She's getting rid of her prejudice and he's getting rid of his pride. But he's like aggressively apologizing to her. And I just feel like more books where the man has been, you know, not his best self should end with him like profusely apologizing, where he's just, you know, been tortured by
2: the things that she has said to him. We love a tortured man who has to apologize. Um, I don't know why the first thing that comes to mind also is um, Love Hypothesis. I feel like he's giving me Darcy energy too because he's like so grumpy and mean yeah. the whole book um and then at the end he's like like I actually am so in love with you and I'm so sorry that yeah. I've been holding back and suppressing everything so yeah that you know the original sim mm-hmm. we love we love a sim like a hidden like I like things that are just hidden yeah. and they're like suppressing it and um but we know as an audience that he's like internally dying the entire time um yeah. I love it's I love not that. as good if you don't know that he's dying the whole time like if you're the girl and you don't know that he is dying and he's just straight up calling you not handsome like then that sucks but yeah readers we get we get an inside scoop that really helps totally
1: <laughs> cuz i love i love even like in this part where it's like he's talking about how you know he, he can't believe that she said this to him that she had this thought about him and it's tortured him but even more so when he says that like I was not even like in a place where I could receive that and I'm sorry for that as well mm-hmm. for like there ever being a point in time when I disagreed with that because I totally do agree with you that I was not gentleman like and he just like goes on for like the full page about how like you can forgive me but I cannot mm-hmm. um and I just was like this book has been around since 1813. Why are men still the way that they are? Why are we not getting Darcy-level apologies?
2: I mean, Austin knew. She knew. It's just such growth, I think, which is why I like the character, um, like Darcy, you know, his ability to recognize that and then say that out loud, which is like the scary thing to, to confess to someone that you were wrong. Um, it's brilliant. And she, she knew before we all knew that this is... The level of men that we should accept
1: only the original man written by a woman um who i guess who is your favorite character like what is i know that you said that you're like a huge jane austen fan like is darcy your favorite like as you make your way through this book where like they're traveling all over the country is there anyone in particular that like other than i mean i guess other than darcy because he's personally my favorite um who you just like love to see throughout this book um
2: I, besides Darcy, who is definitely my favorite, I think Bingley is just so cute. What a goofy little yeah. guy. And his love is so innocent that it's so, it's so fun to watch him get with, what's her sister's name? Why can't I remember? Ro, Rose? Jane. Oh, Elizabeth. said Oh, Jane. Oh, the woman who played her is named Rosamund Pike. That's what I'm thinking.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. No, but that's like one of my favorite things is like the most beautiful sister is named Jane, because Jane Austen, of course, had to name the most beautiful character after herself. It's like Lorelai naming her daughter Lorelai. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. yeah, so I love Bingley.
1: No, I love him, too, and I just – there's just something so, like, endearing about the fact that, like, he was, like, had such an affection for her, but Darcy, upon seeing the Bennett family, was, like, worried for him and worried that he would get his heart broken, so, like, before he became too attached, he was like, no, we have to go. Like. Like, what a pal, what a friend. Like, as much as we, we, you know, Darcy did do some bad things, but, like, he's always showing up for his friends. He's always, Fitzwilliam calls him the most loyal of companions,
2: and it's like, yeah, he really is. That's so true. And, like, that's why you can't not like Darcy at the end, because you see these little things that he does throughout that ultimately will make up for, you know, the big mistake that he he makes. Um, So, yeah. I love their relationship.
1: Like, including paying Mr. Wickham so that him and Lydia would get married. Like, come on, Darcy. Also, a lot of people were saying that, like, they were like, don't speak ill of Lydia. She was a victim. And I was like, there's there's both sides to that,
2: you know? Yeah, I won't speak to it, but I can, I can see why people say that. But I can also see that she, you yeah. know, could have thought it through a little more.
1: She could have thought it through a little more. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
1: Um. So in preparation for this, I actually watched um Pride and Prejudice last night, the 2005 Joe Wright version. Um, and I have to ask you. I know you're like a really big classics girl, but like, are you a bigger fan of the movie or of the book itself? Do you like that movie to begin with? I feel like I should. I was just assuming
2: that you would. You're talking about the Keira Knightley version.
1: Oh yes, definitely. Okay,
2: okay. Um, I ultimately I gotta go with the book. You know, I just said that book has a special yeah. place in my heart, but I do think that movie is incredible, and a lot of the lines that so I had seen the movie first back in back in the day, and then I read the book. So I was shocked to find that many of the lines that I assumed were just from Pride and Prejudice were actually like made up in the movie what does he say like I don't know his big confession in the movie is not in the book yeah and um it fits so yeah, well
1: the, you've bewitched me
2: body and they, soul yeah, yes um it it just was a beautiful beautiful thing that that fit perfectly with the story and I was surprised that it wasn't in the book
1: yeah and to call um to call her miss Mrs. Darcy when he she is um What is the line I forget exactly what it is but when she when she's when he's happiest and Mm -hmm. like yeah so there's that there's that level of it that's just like the cinematography is so beautiful and like there's just like such beautiful lines that they give to these characters that might not be in the book um I feel like they're kind of two separate things because of like for that reason like we lose a lot of like the relationship with the sisters Mm -hmm. which like is one of my favorite parts of like her and Jane like you know like in the movie they're like laying in bed together just like laughing about love and like that camaraderie is still there but like we lose a lot of what is from the book um So, like, in watching it last night, I was, like, I really love this book, but there's just, like, something so magical about, like, seeing these two characters. And I think it's, like, truly because it's, like, a classics thing, because that was, like, in the reflection from a lot of people about this book, because they were, like, I loved it, and I know that I'm supposed to love it, but, like, they get lost in, you know, like, just, like, the way that the book was written and, like, the language of it, which I totally understand, but, like, it's just such a beautiful story. Yeah.
2: There, you know, you for me usually I think the the books are better than, than the movie, but this is one of the cases that the adaptation is almost like equal in my opinion. Like they they did a really good job, and you're right, like the cinematography, they really bring the story to life, and yeah, I agree with you. I think I think it's just beautiful, and the hand flex we can't not, can't, not and think. the fact that I just found out that that was improvised. Are you yeah. kidding me? I didn't Because it was
1: like it was like in a rehearsal that he did that um oh what is his name? Uh McFadden. Oh, yeah, Matthew. Matthew.
2: Um
1: he just did it in a rehearsal and Joe I was like that, do that again.
2: Do it again a million times. I mean heart palpitations, That's great. Not to change the
1: subject, I also can't believe that he is in Succession. Like, I did not realize that that was the same man. I had to be told that that was Darcy, and I was like, are you... Hand flex? Like, that, that's him?
2: I, I haven't seen Succession, but I've seen clips of him,
1: so... Yeah. Okay. I feel, I feel like that's one that you would definitely love. But, on Pride and Prejudice, I know that this was a little bit hard in terms of, like, the Jess Mariano of it all, but... Two people asked this, so I felt like I had to ask you about this, is if you could fan cast an Elizabeth and a Darcy <laughs> your dream today. It might be a hard question, but like is there is there two people that you would like, you know, you're going to make the Cameron version of this. Pride and Prejudice Cameron's version.
2: Um, okay, okay, okay. So, can I still not say Pedro Pascal.
1: <laughs> you can. You totally can. Why I not? Feel like
2: he would do he would do it so so well. Um I wanna see it. Yeah. Pedro Pascal is Mr. Darcy. Please. And then maybe I really like Yara I'm gonna butcher her last name. Sh- Shahidi, I think that's how you say it. Yara Shahidi. I love her. Yeah. Um, I feel like she'd make a great Ooh. Elizabeth Bennett. Um Love oh my gosh, that. that
1: would be so good Yeah, there
2: is a bit of an age gap between
1: Yeah, but, yeah the, the, but we, you know, this is fantasy anyways We can, you know, we can do a younger Pedro Pascal if we need to Okay,
2: and or like, like I feel like Henry Cavill could do it But I don't, he's not my favorite, so He's a little bit like too pretty hmm no, you're so right
1: In my opinion, I don't know, there's just something about him that I just I need him to be like a little bit more moody
2: there is totally someone that I just saw that in a romance movie that did so well. Oh, I'm so horrible with this. I every time someone asks yeah. me like a fan cast <laughs> question, I go blank. Um
1: See, like I don't, I don't think that he necessarily has the acting chops for it. But like, I want to cast Theo James in everything. It's just that like Moody, he's so good. Secretly in love with you, like he could just do it. I, I don't want to say that he couldn't because like in the time traveler's wife, he was great
2: but i just that's someone that i'm like "Hmm." did you see sanditon Uh -uh. oh my god you're gonna lose your mind he essentially is playing darcy sanditon is um i think it's the last book that jane austen wrote and it was unfinished and they made it into like a mini bbc series and starring theo james and he he gives you everything that you want it's so good like I can't recommend it enough. Um, oh my gosh, I'm gonna good. have to
1: go watch it. Yeah, no because I I put him in every fan cast. yeah I tried not to say him for Jess Mariano because like that just doesn't work. Um, but yeah if fun. I can like incorporate him into any fan cast of mine, that's
2: always yeah. okay. Also um, who's the guy from Bridgerton uh, Anthony Anthony? that guy's he's incredible so i would totally cast him as well lots of darcy options these are all really good Mm -hmm.
1: so thank you so much for being on and talking about books and gilmore girls and pride and prejudice i feel like you were the perfect first guest to have on gilmore to read um but if you if anyone wants to join your book club you're reading exclusively classics on fable um it's called chamber of classic books if you want to read with cameron and get the inside scoop of all of her jane austen knowledge um, but you also are starting a podcast. Is that true? Yes,
2: I am. Um, we're looking at it starting sometime in June or July, so I'm excited to talk about books, and obviously you're going to come on to my
1: podcast. Oh my gosh, I would love to. There's nothing I love more than talking about books. Yeah, okay. is, is that is that the topic? It's just about books? Is there anything else you can tell us about it? Or It's going to be about books, but
2: I think yeah. sprinkle in a little life you know problems and a little pedro pascal yeah i mean the pilot episode that i filmed they actually <laughs> told me they're like um you talked about pedro pascal for half an hour so i they <laughs> cut it out and i literally like laughed no, out don't cut i didn't it. realize how long it was supposed to just be like a little anecdote about him and then it turned into you know they're like we love it but it's just expansive at this point. yeah it's like okay
1: noted okay we'll have to like all get the pedro pascal extended director's cut <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay but if people want to find you what socials can they find you at
2: so you can find me at the chamber of secret books on instagram and chamber of secret books on tiktok
1: you'll post your updates for your podcast there and we'll share it on our page too. So if anyone wants to follow you or if they want to check out um, your book club, we'll link that too. Um, But thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited for your podcast and um, I'm sure I'll talk to you again soon. Yes. Thank
2: you so much. This was so fun.
1: Thank you so much to Cameron at Chamber of Secret Books for joining me today for this conversation about books in Gilmore Girls and Pride and Prejudice and my book besties. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you want to join Gilmore to read and be a part of our book clubs, you can go in the show notes and go to Fable and join Reading is Sexy or where you read Oral Follow or both if you want to join me in both of them this month for may reading a sexy is reading happy place by emily henry if you love that gilmore girls banter and those dramatic relationships this book is totally for you and where you read i'll follow is reading the idiot by alif batuman this book was a Pulitzer finalist. It's about a Turkish immigrant in her freshman year of Harvard. The year is 1995, and email is new. The author herself is a Harvard grad and a journalist, so I felt like this one would have been totally on Rory Gilmore's shelf today. You can find the link to the book club in today's show notes, or you can go to our Instagram at gilmore to read where everything is linked there, where I post memes about Gilmore Girls and reading, as well as updates on all of our books. Thank you so much for joining me today. Gilmore to Read will be back at the beginning of June where we will discuss May Picks with a brand new guest who loves books and reading as much as you and I do.